Thank you, Chris, and good morning. Good morning. Glad to see you, and good to be up here for the first time, at least in this capacity, for a while. Uh, one of my important roles as uh, one of your pastors is uh, the role of teaching from the Bible truth about God, and uh, this is my <clears throat> first message since May, and so I'll be a little rusty around the edges, but I tell you what, I look forward to this every week. I don't know about you, but I look forward to it every week, and I'm, I've been looking forward to uh, sharing with you this morning. So I'm glad to be back with you. And uh, one big reason that I'm ready to share is because I have something, I have a burden for you. I have something that I want you to be equipped in. And I'm, I am looking forward to uh, you experiencing the things that we're going to be talking about this morning. So I'm really glad that you're here at the beginning of this brand new series. This summer, Trinity allowed me to take uh, my first sabbatical ever. And uh, a sabbatical, by definition, is supposed to be a Sabbath. And a Sabbath is a time of rest and refreshment. But by God's providence, my time of rest and refreshment coincided 100% with some hard things that Lisa and I have chosen to do with our lives in the area of adoption. So to be very honest with you, my time of sabbatical was not a time of rest. It was, it was uh, very truthfully a time of unrest. It was a time of unrest. It was a time of hardship and challenge for us. And I had hoped to experience, I mean, I had one plan for, my, uh, for this time, and I, had, I knew I wanted to grow in these ways, and I wanted to experience it. And God had a, a total, God switched syllabi on me at some point in, the, in that course. And all of a sudden, I thought, this is not the course that I had signed up for. I think I'm in the wrong class. You know, that's kind of what I was thinking. I think I'm in the wrong class, and uh, I should be somewhere else. But uh, that's not what God had in mind. I had to experience this time, really, as nothing other than a dad and a, a husband and a Jesus follower trying to hang in there one more day. That's what it was. That's what it was like. I would definitely call those two months a time of turbulence for me. And during this time of turbulence, God taught me things. And uh, some of those things I want, I want to share with you. And uh, they're very basic things. But I think you'll find them strengthening. Because <clears throat> here's, the, here's the truth, and I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to go out on a limb and make a prediction. I predict that I'm not the only one in this room who will go through a time of turbulence. There, write it down, and you can see if I'm right about that someday. But I predict that you have turbulence in your future, too. Every airplane pilot knows turbulence is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Every ship's captain, every truck driver, every leader knows that turbulence is just part of the journey. It's not a matter of if you experience it. It's only a matter of when. You will experience turbulence. And it's possible that when you do, that turbulence will shake you to your very core. It's possible that when you experience turbulence, it will totally disrupt your life and possibly even your relationship with God. That's what happened to Job. Everybody knows the story of Job. Job, how he experienced turbulence in his life and it rocked his world to the point that he cursed his birthday and wished that he'd been a stillborn child. 
That's pretty serious stuff. You call it a Job moment if you want to. That moment when the bottom falls out of your life and things start to spiral out of your control and you curse your birthday. When the, your doorbell rings at 2 in the morning and there's a state patrolman standing on the porch. When your doctor calls with your test results and says, you know, I think this is the kind of thing we shouldn't discuss over the phone. When your spouse says, you know, I just don't think I love you anymore. When your boss calls you into his office with an envelope and he won't look you in the eye. When you bury someone who, by all accounts, should have been the person to bury you. And that one Job moment that every one of us will face when we will look death in the eye and take our very last breath. I mean... There is turbulence in your future. Like it or not, turbulence is part of the journey. And when you go through turbulence, and this is what's important, when you go through turbulence, how you view God is your most important resource. How you view God will determine how you experience and emerge from this time of turmoil in your life. How you, who you believe God to be and who, what you think He's like and how you think He feels about you and who you are to Him. That's theology, but it's very practical theology because how you view God and, and how you view Him to view you, all right, is, is your most important resource during a time of turbulence. And it will determine how you will experience these hard times that happen in your life. Your view of God, it's foundational to how you navigate these difficult times in life. I read this summer that uh, research that says that how a person views God, whether they view God to be a God of grace and compassion or a God of wrath and judgment, will actually determine how their body responds to disease. And those who view God as a God of grace and compassion over and against the God of wrath and judgment, which is a true, on the macro level, that's a true view of God. Exodus 34, God would rather bless than punish. And people who had that view of God responded to disease, specific diseases, in a much more positive way than people who didn't. So you're telling me that my view of God can actually affect my physiology? Yeah, that and a lot more. How you view God will determine how you experience and, and, uh, and emerge from these challenging times that every one of us will experience. I want to be ready for those moments, and I want you to be ready for those moments. Maybe you're in one of those right now. You have just experienced, or you're, in the, you're, in the, you're just in the middle of a, of a life experience that just feels absolutely out of control. And you didn't plan it, and you didn't see it coming, and it has blindsided you, and you are this morning in the thick of it, and you barely made it to church this morning. You barely made it, and couldn't decide whether you wanted to be here or not. I understand that. I understand that, and you are in the right place this morning. Thanks for being brave. You're in the right place this morning, because you need to connect to a true view of God. And this is a great place to find it. 
Maybe you're not going through turbulence right now. You'd say, well, I don't know if this is really for me because my life feels like it's, it's going pretty great. Hey, you know what? Congratulations. That's from God's hand too. God gives us times in our lives where things are super. Hey, praise the Lord. That's awesome. Be thankful for that. But also, at the same time, know there is turbulence ahead. Because when it comes to turbulence, you are either in it or in between it. That's just life. If you're in it this morning, I want to encourage you. And I want you to leave this morning with hope that you didn't have when you came. I think you will. If you are uh, not in it and things are going great and you're just in between it, then my goal for you in this, this morning and these next several weeks is to prepare you for it. So that when you do go through turbulence, your life doesn't collapse under the weight. And you and God don't get disrupted over what's happening in your life. And, and the only way to, to be equipped and encouraged in a time of turbulence is to get connected to a true view of who God really is. And the only place where you can get that is in the Bible. What you need is a strong dose of Bible. Now, I admit that there's a presupposition there. And that presupposition is this. At Trinity, we believe that the Bible is the one source of, a, of authoritative truth about what God is like. That God isn't just like whatever we want Him to be. There's only one place that shows us what He's really like, and that's the Bible. And that's something we believe here, and you may not buy that. They may, that may not be where you're from, you know, and kind of what you buy into right now. And what I'd say is that's okay. I'm still happy that you're here. And here's what I'd say to you, especially if you're going through a time of turbulence, uh, that why don't you just try it with us for a few weeks? Because we're going to go to some really significant passages in the Bible, and you're going to get an insight into what, the, what this book says God is really like, and then you get to test that out for yourself. And you get to see if, if, uh, if what is said is actually something that you can experience. And I think that maybe after a few weeks of, of trying this, you might understand a little bit better than you do right now why we believe that the Bible is the only authoritative source of truth about God. And we're going to, over these next six weeks, we're going to traffic in really some of the great passages in our Bible uh, some really beautiful, challenging, encouraging places in Scripture. Because that's, that's what you've got to have. You've got to have a strong dose of Bible. Because when you're going through a time of turbulence, a sermon full of nice stories is just not going to do it for you. Uh, a bunch of cliches is not going to cut it. You know, Some nice advice, an inspirational meme, some Bible verses here and there kind of taken out of context, that's not going to get you through a time of turbulence. When you're going through hard times in your life, you need strong truth about God. You need something solid that you can live on. And that's why I want to introduce to you uh, every week, I want to introduce to you a significant passage of the Bible that you can live on in a time of turbulence and hardship. Because here's a true statement. Someday, something will happen to you that only God can help you through. Someday, something will happen to you, and you will know it when you're in it, that something will happen to you 
that only God will be able to help you through. And now, today, this morning is the time to start getting ready for that moment. Now is the time to learn to lean on God alone. That doorbell that rings at 2 in the morning, that phone call from your doctor, that betrayal of your spouse, that untimely death, someday something's going to happen to you. Only God can help you through. And now, today, is the time to get ready for that. I want you to see this idea in a great passage of Scripture, a big, long passage we're going to look at this morning from the book of Isaiah. So if you'll open your Bibles to Isaiah, chapters 44 and 45, two chapters. Now, as is, uh, and, and if you're, you know, we're going to be, we're going to read an extensive section of Scripture, so you will probably appreciate having your Bible out if that's how you process. You should have a pew Bible around you somewhere if you need one in one of the chairs around. Feel free to uh, get up and get that or access it on your phone, however you like to do that. And uh, we're going we're gonna to look at these two chapters in Isaiah. Now, as is often the case in understanding your Bible, it helps to know a little bit of Bible history. And so a little bit of background to Isaiah. Isaiah is in the Old Testament, so this is before Jesus has lived. In the Old Testament, in the case of Isaiah, about 800 years before Jesus. And uh, at this point in the world, God is working through in the world through one nation. This is how God chose to reveal himself to the world. He started by picking one nation. He said, I'm going to, te- I'm going to teach these people who I am and what it means to be my people, and I'm going to begin there and work in the world through that. And so that's, that's what... That's where we're at in human history right now. God is working in the world through the nation of Israel. He says, I'm going to make them my people. So I'm going to give them a way to live that I want them to follow. I'm going to give them rules and laws and regulations to guide their life in their relationship with me. And if they follow these, uh, this way of living, they will, uh, I will bless them. And if they don't follow this way of living, I will discipline them. And if you know the story of the history of Israel, you know what happened. They didn't follow God's, God's ways. And God gave them chance after chance after chance after chance until finally it was time for Israel to experience discipline. It was time for them to actually to experience the, the natural consequences of rejecting God. And so God's, God gets ready. He's getting ready to implement this discipline on the nation of Israel. And what that means is there are going to be other countries that are going to come and dominate Israel, and then they're going to take people from Israel and carry them off to their country in what's known as the exile. And that's right around the corner, and it's Isaiah's job to warn Israel that this is happening. So Isaiah is reading like, uh, a, a newspaper in the sense that he's uh, is saying, listen, this is what is going to happen to you. You need to know when you read this, this is what you're going to be experiencing. This is what you're going to go through. His job is to warn them that turbulence on, is on the way and prepare them for this time of turbulence. He's to prepare them and he's to comfort them by reminding them that God is going to be with them in this time of turbulence and God's going to restore them afterwards. So that's where we're at in Isaiah 44 and 45. Isaiah has already warned Israel that, that this is coming. Turbulence is coming. He's already warned that these two chapters, he's preparing them to live through this time of turbulence by knowing that God is going to be watching over them and he's going to restore them at the end. 
And so we're going to read this passage, and basically you're going to hear Isaiah say, listen, something is going to happen to you that only God can take you through. If you really want to be ready when that happens, now's the time to start leaning on God alone. Now, we're going to read almost all of this section of Scripture. We're going to read continuously from verse 6, Isaiah 44, 6, all the way through the end of Isaiah 45. That is a big piece of Bible right there. Right? We're going to read the whole thing, and the reason is, this is my sermon. Okay? This is my sermon. Isaiah 44 and 45. So, if you want to follow along and that helps you focus, follow along. If you want to sit and listen and that helps you focus, sit and listen. Too much to put on the screen behind me is just too much. So however you want to process this big piece of Scripture. And, and one other thing. Every time we get to capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's really a translation of God's name, Yahweh. It says Lord, but it's really God's name, Yahweh. So we're going to say Yahweh when we get there. As we read, I want you to see... I want you to see the theme that God is God alone, and He's the one that they should look to in times of turbulence. Isaiah 44, 6. This is what Yahweh says. Israel's King and Redeemer, Yahweh Almighty, I am the first and the last. Apart from me there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what's happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let him foretell what is to come. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did not I proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. All who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. Those who would speak up for them are blind. They are ignorant to their own shame. Who casts a god? Who, who shapes a god and casts an idol which can profit him nothing? He and his kind will be put to shame. Craftsmen are nothing but men. Let them come together and take their stand. They'll be brought down to terror and infamy. The blacksmith takes a tool and works in it with the coals. And he shapes an idol with hammers. He forges it with the might of his arm. And he gets hungry and loses his strength. And he drinks no water and grows faint. The carpenter measures with a line. He makes an outline with a marker. He roughs it out with chisels and marks it with compasses. He shapes it in the form of a man, a man in all his glory, that it may dwell in a shrine. He cut down cedars or perhaps a cypress or an oak He let it grow among the trees of the forest or planted a pine and rain made it grow. It is man's fuel for burning. Some of it he takes and warms himself and kindles a fire and bakes bread. But he also fashions a god and worships it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. Half the wood he burns in the fire. Over it he prepares his meal. He roasts his meat and eats his fill. He also warms himself and says, Ah, I'm warm. I see the fire. And from the rest of it, he makes a god, his idol. He bows down to it and worships. He prays to it and says, save me, you are my god. They know nothing. They understand nothing. Their eyes are plastered over so they can't see. And their minds are closed so they can't understand. No one stops to think or has knowledge or understanding to say, 
Half of it I used for fuel. I even baked bread over its coals. I roasted meat and ate. Shall I make a detestable thing from what is left? Shall I bow down to a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads him. He cannot save himself or say, Is not this thing in my right hand a lie? Remember these things, Jacob, and for you are my servant, Israel. I've made you, and you are my servant, O Israel. I will not forget you. I've swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like a morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing for joy, O heavens, for Yahweh has done this. Shout aloud, O earth beneath. Burst into song, mountains, you forests, and all your trees, for Yahweh has redeemed Jacob. He displays his glory in Israel. This is what Yahweh says, your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am Yahweh, who's made all things, who's alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself, who foils the signs of false prophets and makes fools of diviners and overthrows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense, who carries out the words of his servants and fulfills the predictions of his messengers, who says of Israel, it shall be inhabited, and of the towns of Judah they shall be built. And of their ruins, I will restore them. Who says to the watery deep, be dry, and I will dry up your streams. Who says of Cyprus, he is my shepherd. Let's pause and insert a little uh, footnote here. He uses the name uh, uh, Cyrus. Now, Cyrus is the king of Persia. The only thing is, he hasn't been born yet. He's not going to enter the scene for about 190 years, and God is calling him out by name and saying, this is the person I'm going to use to restore, to, to let you go back to your land and as part of my promise to you. 200 years before Cyrus ever enters the scene. But God says, there's going to be a guy named Cyrus, and he's going to be my shepherd, and he'll accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt. And of the temple, let its foundations be laid. Verse chapter 45. This is what Yahweh says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of, to subdue nations before him and strip kings of their armor to open doors before him so the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down the gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron, and I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am Yahweh, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name and bestow on you a title of honor, though you do not acknowledge me. I am Yahweh, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, men may know that there is none besides me. I am Yahweh, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, Yahweh, do all these things. You heavens above, rain down righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness grow with it. I, Yahweh, have created it. Woe to him who quarrels with his maker. 
to him who was but a potsherd among the potsherds on the ground. Does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? Does your work say you have no ha- he has no hands? Woe to him who says to his father, what have you begotten? Or to his mother, what have you brought to birth? This is what Yahweh says, the Holy One of Israel and its maker. Concerning things to come, do you question me about my children? Do you give me orders about the work of my hands? It is I who made the earth and created mankind upon it. My own hand stretch out the heavens. I marshaled their starry hosts. I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. I will make all his ways straight. And he will rebuild my city and set my exiles free, but not for a price or reward, says Yahweh Almighty. This is what Yahweh says. The products of Egypt, the merchandise of Cush, and those tall Sabaeans, they will come over to you and they will be yours. They will trudge behind you, coming over to you in chains, and they will bow down before you and plead with you, saying, Surely God is with you, and there is no other. There is no other God. Truly you are a God who hides himself, O God and Savior of Israel. All the makers of idols will be put to shame and disgrace. They will go off into disgrace together. But Israel will be saved by Yahweh. With an everlasting salvation, you'll never be put to shame or disgraced for ages everlasting. For this is what Yahweh says. He who created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am Yahweh and there is no other. I have not spoken in secret from somewhere in the land of darkness. I have not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth, and I declare what is right. So gather together and come, assemble, you fugitives from the nations. Ignorant are those who carry idols of wood, who pray to gods that cannot save. Declare what is to be, present it. Let them take counsel together. Who foretold this long ago? Who declared it from the distant past? Was it not I, Yahweh? And there is no God apart from me. A righteous God and a Savior, there is none but me. Turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn. My mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow. By me, every tongue will swear. They will say of me, in Yahweh alone are righteousness and strength. All who've raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. But in Yahweh, all the descendants of Israel will be found righteous and will exult. I know that is a lot, a lot, a lot to read. That's probably the longest passage that I've read in any message other than a handful of messages where we've read a whole book of the Bible together. Other than that, this is probably the longest piece of Scripture we've ever read out loud. It's so important because this, there, are, there is so much truth that is spread throughout these two chapters. Over and over and over again, Isaiah sees turbulence ahead. 
He knows that turbulence is coming and he wants his people to be prepared for that time. And so he reminds them of a very basic truth all the way through these two chapters. A very basic truth. A truth that sounds stupefyingly simple. Unless you're someone going through a time of turbulence. And when you're going through a time of turbulence, it doesn't sound stupefyingly simple. It sounds essential and life-giving. And it's stated about a half a dozen different ways. But here's how I would put it. The truth that runs through these two chapters is basically this. God is. And He is for you. God is. He exists. That sounds so simple. But when you're going through a time of true turbulence, you're not so sure what that looks like. And if he does exist, you're not sure how he feels about you. But Isaiah reminds us, no, God is. Actually, you could modify it and put in parentheses one extra word. God alone is. And he is for you. It's this message of God's existence and His exclusivity and His total adequacy and His promise of life after turbulence that makes these two chapters so important. Now we see it in places like uh, chapter 44, verse 6, where uh, we read, I am the first and the last. Apart from me there is no God. And in the second half of verse 8 that says, Is there any God besides me? No, there's no other rock. I know not one. And then I think it's verse 24, mislabeled on the slide, but it says this, I am the Lord, the maker of all things, who stretches out the heavens and spreads out the earth by myself. You see it in chapter 44, and then you see it again in chapter 45, in this common refrain that appears at least six different times, at least six different times you read this over and over, I am the Lord and there is no other. In between these two chapters, I counted about 15 different times. 15 different times and 15 different ways that God says, I am God alone. I alone am God. 15 different times in these two chapters where God is highlighting the fact that He exists. He's highlighting His existence and His uniqueness and His soul adequacy. So why is that important? It's important because someday you're going to go through something. Something will happen to you that only God can help you through. Only God can help you through. And you will need to know that He is That He alone is, and that He is for you. And the sooner you can lock that in, the better prepared you'll be for those times. The sooner you lock that in, if you're in the middle of it right now, the sooner you can lock this truth in, the, the more valuable, the, 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 uh, the better you will survive, let's just put it that way, the better you will survive what you're going through right now. And that's what uh, Isaiah's riff on idols is all about. He several times says something about idols, but then there's that one big long section where he's talking about uh, idols. And 
Isaiah is talking about idols because he wants to strip us of reliance on anything else but God. He wants uh, to remind us that only God is adequate for times of turbulence. And the sooner you will strip away your reliance to God alone, the more prepared you'll be to go through a time of turbulence. The, more, the better you will emerge from the time of turbulence that you are in. And if you don't strip yourself down to reliance on God alone, turbulent times will. They will slowly reveal the inadequacy of everything else that you may be trusting. In a true Job moment, you know that nothing else is really going to help you. In a true Job moment, you know your spouse may love you, but there's not a thing they can do. In a true Job moment, you, you will know that doctors and medicine, they got a lot going for them, but the only person who's really going to heal you is God himself. In a true Job moment, you know it's not your money in the bank. There isn't enough money in the world to buy your way out of what you're in. In a true Job moment, you know that you may be a person of self-reliance, and you may be a person of self-discipline, and you may be a person who really doesn't ever have to look to anybody else for help, but that's not really going to get you out of this time of turbulence. In a true Job moment, you know that self-medicating yourself through sex or pornography or video games or alcohol or Netflix is just putting a Band-Aid on on a, a, a bullet wound. You know that the things you've relied on to get you to this point will not get you out. Because really, anything you trust other than God himself was made by someone. It helps me when I think about it that way. Anything you trust other than God himself was made by someone. It's just another form of idol that has no power. Someday, something will happen to you that only God will get you through. It will be God who will rescue you or nobody. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where you said, you know, either God is going to get me out of this or I will die in it. The truth is, we're always in that state. We're just not always aware of it. And the sooner you become aware of it, that it's God or nobody in your life, the better prepared you will be for turbulence, the better you'll emerge from times of turbulence. Someday something will happen to you that only God can help you through. Now, today, this morning, is the time to get ready for that turbulence. If you're not going through turbulence right now, it's just a good reminder that if you want to be ready, if you don't want your life to collapse, if you don't want significant disruption in your relationship with God, you need to get a handle on who He is right now. That He is, and He is for you. But you can only lean on Him alone. You need to, I mean, today is a day to get ready for that. If you're going through a time of turbulence, then here's what I'd say to you that the, the first step for you is to start hanging on to this truth. Hang on to this truth that God is, and He is for you. There's one verse that summarizes these two chapters best of all. Too much to summarize, but one verse that kind of brings a lot of it together is chapter 45, verse 22, and it says this, Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. If you want to take your, if, if you're in a time of turbulence, you don't know what to do, your first step 
is to do what this verse says. Turn to me. Turn to me. Turn away from the things that you've been trusting and hoping in and, and uh, looking to to rescue you and just turn to me. Make this problem something that's just between you and God. Turn to me and be saved because I'm God and there is no other. Turn this problem into something between you and God alone. Recognize nothing, no matter what, no matter what the state trooper says, no matter what the doctor says, no matter what your spouse says or your boss says, this ultimately is not about you and the state trooper or uh, your boss or your spouse or your doctor. It's between you and God alone. It's between you and God, and he is for you. You're going to lean on him and him alone no matter what. You make that turn and trust God alone. This passage teaches that, that God is for you. Now, this is if you belong to God. And you're like, well, wow, that's, I, I, how do I know that, you know? The answer to that is found in Jesus, that the reason Jesus came years after this was written is to provide a way for everyone who wants to turn to God. Jesus said, whoever believes in me has the Father. If you believe in Jesus as the one God sent, and you make him the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, then you have the Father. You have access to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you look to Jesus as the one God sent, and that's really where this whole... uh, that's, that's the first step in, in belonging to God. If you take that step, you belong to God. If you're like, if you're like I don't know that I've ever done that. I've never really thought hard about doing that. Uh, then we'd love to talk to you about how to take that step and how to make that turn to put your confidence in Jesus as a forgiver of your sins and a leader of your life and show you how that is the beginning point of your journey with God. If you'd like to talk to someone who brought you to Trinity, someone you know here or one of, one of us, who are pastors, or put it on your connection card. We'd love to have that conversation with you. Most of us have already taken that step, and so here's the assurance that I have for you. You belong to God, and He is for you. He is for you, and you are not alone in this time of turbulence. God exists, and He is going to walk you through this time. Actually, this turbulence might actually be God's gift to you. Hard to process how that could be true right now. But it may actually be God's gift to you as he strips away your dependence on everything else and and draws you into a relationship with him alone. And you will be able to say, now that it's just you and God, you'll be able to say with Isaiah, like he does in, I think it's verse 25, in the Lord alone are righteousness and strength. In God alone is righteousness and strength. God is there. He is for you. He will help you through this time. So shift all of your hope, all of your fears, all of your expectations to God. Start leaning on Him alone, and He will take you through this time. There will be life after this.
I'd like for us to take a minute and just be able to think and process this uh, message and this truth. So what I'd like to ask you to do, if you're okay with that, if you're comfortable, is just to bow your head and think. Bow your head kind of in a prayer, or if you're not comfortable doing that, that's okay. Um, But here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about what is God saying to you through this message? What is God saying to you through his word this morning? What is God wanting you to shift your reliance from to him? Well, maybe, maybe that what you're going to get out of this morning is just that you're going to live through this time. Talk to God about whatever's on your heart for just a minute, and then what I'd like to do is I'd like to close in prayer. God, these are such big and powerful truths that we've talked about this morning, so basic and fundamental to our relationship with you. And we are so thankful that you are our God and that you are adequate for times like this. God, we need this reminder. We need you to remind us that you alone can be trusted for these turbulent times in our lives. And I want to pray for my brothers and sisters this morning, those who are are not in a time of turbulence right now, but but that this would be such a strategic time for them to learn to trust in you alone. I pray that you'll teach them that. And for those going through times of hardship, I ask that you will show them life, that you will be life for them, and that you will show them that you are with them and you are for them And they will emerge from this time with life, thanks to you. Strengthen them this morning with the encouragement that comes from a true view of who you are. And I ask this through Jesus. Amen.